0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Dial In, the podcast about customer service, automation, AI, contact centers, and everything in between. I'm your host, Gadi Shamia, the CEO and co-founder of Replicant, the company that automates customer service calls. And today I have a really exciting guest uh, here. And the reason I'm so excited about my guest that I'll reveal in a second is that he is a person who got me into the customer service space um, nine years ago. Uh, until then, I was uh, doing a lot of different things in the enterprise, and this one meeting with Tiago Paiva, the CEO and co-founder of uh, TalkTest, changed my uh, my course in life, got me into the uh, exciting space of customer service technology, and set me on this journey that I'm still uh, on. So uh, welcome, uh, Tiago, to the dial Podcast.
1: Thanks, God. It's good to be here.
0: <laughs> so... You know, I know how I think about Talkdesk um, um, when I was there a few years ago. So, side note: I was the chief operating officer of Talkdesk for um, four amazing years, um, but five almost five years passed uh, since. When you need to describe Talkdesk, how you uh, how do you describe it today?
1: We've changed a lot since 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 those early days. And uh, you're talking about your journey. You really joined Talkdesk right at the beginning. We were still fi- trying to figure out. And if you remember, even at that time. We, we didn't really position ourselves as contact center as a service or the, 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 the industry we're in was not contact center as a service. We we're trying to figure out. So right now, uh, we we position ourselves as we are in the CCAS space, which is contact center as a service. We are a cloud provider, an end-to-end solution that pretty much provides everything from voice, digital channels, and everything you need to support uh, to support your customers. So think of us as the platform um, to provide service to to your customers.
0: And how big uh, is doctors these days, um, employee? Number, what, what, are you, what are you able to share about number of customers, employees? Just give give the audience a scale of the company today.
1: So we have a couple thousand um, uh, customers, a couple thousand employees. Um, so that's that's pretty much the size we are we are in right now.
0: Yeah, and Talkdesk, if for if, if people don't know, is um, for several years in a row one of uh, Gartner's Magic Quadrant contact center service leaders. Um, uh, definitely a company that. Uh, uh, you should think of when you think about your contact center strategy and I say it uh you know lovingly and truthfully uh as a as a previous uh, uh member of the journey so you know I, I of course know you for for years um and I there's a lot of questions I know the answer for and I really want the audience to know the answer for as well um so tell, tell us maybe let's go all the way back to the uh the days you started talk desk uh there's a pretty unique uh story here um what was it
1: mm-hmm. yeah i'll try i'll try to keep it keep it simple for no, or,
0: take or, take us back to you, to your to your uh, childhood bedroom we're talking uh,
1: no, so 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 i started talk desk right out of um, right out of college so i have i have an undergrad i did my masters and right after my masters or during my masters i was working for Procter & gamble and there were two things i really wanted one of the things um and i was 23 23 24 at the time i really wanted to come to america that was my life Uh, my 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 long life dream i wanted to come to america probably because of all the movies you you usually watch in portugal i'm from portugal um and that that was one thing and the second thing i really wanted to start the company so those two things together drove me to, to try to do everything i could to to really to really accomplish that dream right so one day um the, the, the story Talk TalkDesk started is one day, Twilio, which uh, is a well-known San Francisco company. I'm sure most of your audience um, knows about them. They they had an um, hackathon, a competition, right? Like build something using Twilio, the winner will get a MacBook Air. Um, and, um, and that's it. That's how TalkDesk started. Like we, we did that. We built the first version of TalkDesk, which we didn't call it contact center at that time. Um, and I was 23, uh, maybe 24 at that time. Um, I, I worked at Procter & Gamble, so I knew a little bit about contact centers, but everyone wants to be cool when they are 23. So we try to come up with all these fancy names, all these fancy things. And in the end, um, the, where we build was what talk desk is today, of course, much simpler. <laughs> no, it, it's the same same goal, but completely different product, of course. But uh, we built that first version. We won the MacBook Air from Twilio. Um, we were invited, uh, I was invited to, to come to American Pitch Talk Desk, and uh, I flew to America. I was supposed to stay here for a week. Um, we won the, another pitch competition at that time at the Twilio Conference in 2011, end of 2011. And I was invited to come to America and stay here and live here and start the company here. And that's what I did. And I've been in America since 2011. Uh, talk Desk started from that very little um, hackathon. Um, and uh, we built the company we've uh, we've built so far in the last. Uh, it's been what twelve years now. Twelve years.
0: Yeah. So, so the first years, um, maybe two questions about them. One is is uh, there's a story here for entrepreneurs. Uh, I think the company uh, got almost no funding between 2011 to 2014. Uh, it was almost boot, uh, um, boot started, and then maybe the other question is how do you realize so. Talk about the challenges there but also when did you realize you build a contact center solution i know it didn't happen right away but when you realize that this is what you build and this is what you want to focus on for the next now 12 years
1: yeah we, we i think what we did at talk desk back in the beginning was very different than than most people do now like right right now or at least in the last few years funding has been um has been um has been everywhere so companies just get a lot of money from day one we didn't so for the first three years um, you just mentioned the date so up until 2014 almost 2015 so mid 2014 we pretty much run talk desk on 250 thousand dollars so that that was the money we got from the incubator we received back in 2011 um was, was 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 difficult um you know hindsight um I don't know if I would have done it again but it is what it is right like but it was difficult uh, taught us a lot of lessons how to be frugal how to run a company without spending too much money how to do things with with less Um, But it was difficult. It was also difficult because we were trying to do something back in 2011 that's never been done before, which was we were building um, what we call our contact center in the browser. That was the tagline, and that's, that's what we're trying to do. And we're trying to make it very simple. The problem is the technology was not there yet. Uh, WebRTC was not there. Google Chrome, uh, if you go back 12 years, was not the norm. So most people were using Internet Explorer, they were using Mozilla, Firefox. So we had a lot of challenges from a technology perspective. Um, So the first three years were were rough. The first three years were rough. We started getting traction um, around 2014. And the truth is, once we figured out the technology, once we figured out the market, Talkdesk actually grew very, very fast. Talked so us we were very fast. We got the first money from Jason Lamkin at Saster. Uh, that was mid 2014, and then beginning of 2015 we got uh, the Series A from um, from DFJ. The and then you know we still kept actually pre-lean for a long time, and we are still a very lean company, um, and that comes from from those days of trying to do things with uh, with very little. Um, answering your second question, when did we get into into contact center? I don't know exactly the date, but it was. So, you know, somewhere around 15, 16. I, I'm not, I, I don't even think it was before that. I think we figured that out. I think we started hiring people. Uh, you were already at talk desk at that point. We, we, were, we were hiring people. We're, we're learning. We're meeting a lot of people. And then I remember we started hiring people from the space. And then we realized, okay, this is really where we belong. Even though we were selling into the space, we didn't call ourselves that um, at that time. So it, it took a while. It took four or five years to, to figure out our own identity i don't think we did a pivot i think the product stayed the same and of course improved like i said and all of that but but for us to figure out our own identity i think it took four or five years it was um it took it took a while it took a while
0: when i met you in 2014 the tagline for uh doctors which i still think was brilliant was create a contact center yeah? in five minutes. um it was such a it was such a great tagline because it was shocking for anybody that knew, knew the space and I uh, thought of creating a contact center, something will take 9 to 12 months. And all of a sudden, somebody is mentioning five minutes. Who came with this tagline?
1: I think the story of that tagline is, I think at some point around that time, 2014, 15, uh, around those, those, those years, I went to a pitch competition. Um, either TechCrunch or or, or one one of the other pitch competitions. And I was trying to explain TalkDesk. And I kept saying phone service, phone system, sales phone system. So I had all these things. And then one day I was just, I remember I was just so tired. I remember where I was. I was sitting in the corner. I was just so tired. And they were were doing these rapid fire questions. And they asked me, Tiago, what does TalkDesk do? And I just said, look, we can create a call center in five minutes. And all of a sudden everyone's like, huh, okay, that's really good. And then I'm like, okay, maybe there's something here, you know. So that's 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 how it started. And then we put some billboards on the 101, and the message really resonated. And then we had partnerships, like we partnered with Salesforce very early on. At that time, um, with their desk solution and service cloud, so it, it resonated and it worked. And uh, that's when we started. So when 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 it clicked, let's put it that way. Like that's when it clicked. But that's that's where the message came from. Is sometimes it's just uh, just something simple is what works. Mm-hmm.
0: And, and what you think about contact centers and, and how they change. If you think of the customers you interacted with in 2010, 2011, and some of the initial customers were also pretty big, even before TalkTest was ready for them, uh, compared to what, what customers want today. What, what are some of the biggest changes you've seen mm-hmm. from, from then to today?
1: Mm-hmm. It's so interesting. So, the, the industry has changed a lot in many, many ways, and we can talk about um, AI and uh, open AI and everything that's that's happening. And then I'm sure we will talk about it, but but what it, it, it's, it's very interesting. So one thing we've done was we, we were targeting very small customers at that point, right? That's where the call center in five minutes came from. It's very easy, sign up on the website, ready to go, and you can have, it can be up and running. Over time, we evolved to be more of an enterprise solution. Right now, most of our customers are enterprise. We have a sales team. We have a sales engineering team. So we have we have a complete um set of, of teams and, and products that we can sell into an enterprise versus before was a very simple product. Um so but the interesting thing is like one thing that has not changed much, and let me start with that, is there's still so many customers that are using on-premise solutions they are using their old Cisco's, they are using their old avias and all they want is to come to is to go to the cloud and have a solution that works that can replace their products that they are maintaining and and then start innovating so many companies are still at at, at, at at that stage and that hasn't changed that's been the norm for 12 years there's still a lot of customers on prem on prem and there's still a lot of customers that want to come to a solution in the cloud so that's the first thing um, one thing that changed big time in the in the last uh, 10, 12 years, um, the first one from an industry perspective, I think people care a lot more about customer service now. Uh, I don't think it was the case 12 years ago. 12 years ago, customer service was seen as a, a cost, just a cost, doesn't matter um, what you have, just spend as little as possible. And now I think through all of us as consumers, we, we will drop a brand if the customer service uh, support, if the support is not good. We know that. I'm sure you've done that. I've done that. And you just move to the next one. And, 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 and customers or um, companies know that. So they invest a lot more in customer service and they care about uh, the technology. They care about making sure their agents are um, empowered. So that's probably been the biggest change is this mentality of, oh, I just need to have this to now. Don't get me wrong. Cost still matters. Cost still, cost matters. Everyone has a budget. Everyone needs to, 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 to get their, their spending within a budget, but there's this mentality of, okay, I need to provide great service to our customers. Let's see how we get there. So that, that changed, that changed, that changed a lot in the last 10 years.
0: Yeah, I see it too. And on this note, what do you hear from customers um, uh, more commonly? What are the goals that they have? What are the things they focus on today?
1: hmm So it it has changed probably in the last two, three years, right? Like, and we all know we lived through the COVID times where um, every company was growing very fast. You were hiring, hiring, hiring. You had less issues with, uh, um, with spending things have changed a little bit, right? Like now um, everything is more expensive, right? Like uh, customer service agents are more expensive. Um, Everything around us becomes more expensive. So companies uh, try try to be more thoughtful about the money they are spending. And sometimes the money they're spending, I I don't mean cutting down on software or cutting down on people, but how to empower these people more, how to empower the agents they have so they are more productive, how to empower, um, you know, let's say you have 200 agents, um, how to make sure those 200 agents are focused on the right things and when they need to be talking with a customer or answering a, an email or a chat they have all the tools and information they need so they can do it faster so they can actually have these agents be a lot more productive and 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 um, and don't need to hire you know 20% more 30% more so that's that's a, a team it's been a team over over the last few years i think but now about productivity about empowering becomes becomes a big topic right now and of course ai is always in every single conversation right now um, with all the technology and all the advances we've seen in the last uh, what six months, twelve months. It's it, it's it's early, but it's been it's been big change.
0: You're I know you're an idea man, um, and I remember you going with a notebook and writing, um, uh, you know, pen, pencil to paper um, uh, all your ideas. Um, is there any favorite idea, something you thought about and worked really well um, that that in the last kind of decade that came from like idea on a notebook to fruition? And is there anyone any idea you want to mention that uh, you tried and failed miserably?
1: Yeah, I still do that, so I still have the notebooks and I keep I keep writing. I think the the best the best decision we made, and and again, it's not just my decision; it's a team decision. But the best decision we made that probably came from that notebook is. Um, Three, four years ago, we had to to decide which route we're going to go in TalkDesk. Are we going to go the route of be really good at just voice or email or chat and kind of partner with everyone else in terms of WFM, QA, QM, reporting, you know, all the things that the contact center needs. And we've decided at that time, no, what we are doing, even though it's hard, we're going to build all these solutions around the contact center in-house. And that was a tough decision. Was, it's not very common. I don't think anyone else has done it on the contact center space. Most people partner or they have acquired other companies and, and they kind of partner, like they put them together. Um, so we've done that, um, it was a tough decision, but uh, but I think at, in the end, it's, been, it's it's been a great decision because we now can go to a customer and really provide them a set of tools that we couldn't otherwise. There's no integrations needed. There's, we still partner, don't get me wrong, we're still very heavy on partners, but the customer has the choice to either go with our WFM, we either go with our QA and QM and reporting without having to deal with uh, professional services on, on, on integrations. And that was a decision that was, it seems obvious right now because everyone tries to have their own uh, tools, but at that time was 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 not common. And, and I think that was a decision that worked very well. We call it end-to-end solution, a single pane of glass where you really log in into TalkDesk and you see you have everything there you don't need to go into lo- login into 10 different applications what didn't work and there's a lot that didn't work but let me maybe the one that came to mind is i i had this idea of um, um customers customers they have the software but they also uh, it's a struggle to wire a lot of people right so i had this idea of this marketplace like call it upwork or uh Odesk back in the day or um, i don't know what the names change but to to be able to go to talkdesk and say look i need 10 10 agents and and i click the click buttons click 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 and 10 agents jump into the talkdesk platform they start answering calls uh, so we tried that we tried that for a few years didn't work was was it was a you know what i learned it's it's tough in a company when you are trying to sell too many different things so um you know it was not our core core product it's not even software so the talk desk was not ready to to have that uh, to have that working i still think the idea could have worked at that time but uh, but it didn't work so that that's that's an idea that we just scratch and um and moved on
0: Yeah, this idea it brings a huge smile to my face because first i remember many 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 discussions around this idea starting probably in 2016 yeah. um, and and this idea was and we had a lot of back and forth saying, ah, it's not gonna work it's gonna work it's not gonna work so definitely interesting. And, and in, in a way, uh, I, over time, I realized that part of what we the reason that drove you to this decision or this idea is still very solid, because what we heard from talk to those customers from day one was our biggest issue, is we just don't have enough agents, we can't hire them, we can't train them, we can retain them. Uh, we don't have enough agents. At 2016, there was no option, like mm-hmm. you sold software that required having agents, if the agent were not there, uh, the software was useless. And customers will keep asking for something we didn't have. And the only option before uh, AI automation go to the level they, 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 they were was to give you agents. So the logic, I think this is still today the number one problem of every contact center. And I think in 2016, the only way to solve it was through agent uh, agent marketplace. So Chuck, I thought you are gonna mention that, although we didn't discuss this before. Um, <laughs> And, and um, I find it inspiring because that was absolutely the most important problem uh, back then. It was just the only available solution. Um, you know, Speaking of agents, what, um, uh, what do you see changes in, in, the, in the agent space and the relation between agent and technology? I, I know that um, uh, you mentioned agents are harder to hire, they want more money now, but what changed in the agent dynamics? I know you spend a lot of time in contact centers, visiting and, and seeing and talking with agents what are you learning about the agents behavior today
1: i think i think it's 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 not a, an agents per se but it's the world we live in right now right like the, the everything uh, we live through that everything is more expensive right now cost of living is more expensive um there's there's a lot of opportunity especially during covid there was a lot of companies hiring and hiring i think we had um the the record hiring in tech in the last 2 3 years and i'm not just talking about startups only i'm talking about the amazons and the google's and the facebook's they hired I don't know, fifty thousand and million people. So I think all of that caused everything to just be harder. And it's not necessarily agents. Agents, you know, they're just people just like us, and they have their job and they they fight for the best conditions like like we all do, right? So I don't think that changed. I think what changed is what the agent role needs to be now in an era where AI. People say, or and I'm not saying I I agree or disagree with that. I'm I, I'm I'm just. It's that AI is going to replace everything, right? AI is going to replace the agents. AI is going to replace um, everything agents do and we do, and uh, no, no people are needed anymore for <laughs> anything with AI. So, uh, if you think about that, like what the agent needs to really do, and I, and I was thinking about like what word can I can I describe that an agent can do that maybe AI is not able to do yet, right? Like there's there's many things, and I think what, what the agent can do is a, agent can have empathy. That it's very difficult to beat when you when you are talking um, with a machine, call it or not, it's a machine, right? Like, and we are talking with a machine. So I think the role of the agent changed. I think what the agent is going to to be involved, it's going to be more sensitive, it's going to be more important, it's going to be high level stress calls. And I actually remember, Gary, we talked about this for for many years, and you had you had like a nice uh, a, a nice four by four where you you had uh, at that time wasn't AI was chats and voice and digital and you say if it's I eye um, stress and eye sensitivity it's always going to be a call um, to, to, to a call instead of a chat And I think right now um, we can do that same diagram but say if it's eye sensitive it's it's, it's in a rush if you need something solved now, you can still do AI, of course, but I think you will want the empathy of a person on the other side trying to give you options versus just giving you standardizing options that that AI gives you now. But again, AI is developing so fast. So everything I'm saying by the time you release this podcast might be might have changed. But but I think right now it's the role of the agent changes. Um and I still think they play a very important role in the um, in the customer service space. Um, but but it, it needs to adapt and it needs to change.
0: Yeah, and I, f- I feel companies missing on this opportunity to understand that their agents are—if they train them well, if they hire the right agents and pay them well—can be true brand ambassadors. And if you automate using AI, uh, you can free up agents to do what's what's really matters. Which you're mm-hmm. right, we're sitting here and talking with one another, and as dynamic as chemistry, and you cannot fake it with a with a machine. Um, and I don't think it's going to be easy to fake it because back in our heads, we always going to know that we're talking with a machine. Uh, and even if the machine is going to pretend really well to be a human, it's still going to be a machine. And part of the principle we're using is we're trying not to pretend. We're trying not to to mislead you because you need to know you're speaking with a machine. The machine is about efficiency, and it's not about um, um, being friendly or being nice. Uh, you can be nice with other people. Uh, you know, another question I'm I'm curious about. Again, you, joined, you started this world not knowing anything about uh, customer service and and contact centers, and of course now twelve years, um, you're you're uh, an expert. What is a lesson you remember? Um, maybe a conversation with a customer or a meeting with a customer that is just a big lesson that you're still kind of using or remembering that you didn't know about the space
1: before. I'll tell you my 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 biggest my biggest lesson. Um, my biggest lesson over all these years is, you know, it it when when you are selling um, and from my perspective, right, like we, we we build software, we sell software. The most important thing and still is true now and it doesn't it, it almost doesn't seem obvious but when i say you're going to say it's obvious is no matter what products you build no matter what um, what um, what functionality you build or what you offer ai or wfm or voice or you the the relationship between our customer and their customer is the most important thing Ever and if you do, if you do anything to get in the middle of that, and by meaning of that, I mean your software is not working, or you answering the wrong thing, or you having the wrong experiences, it, it, it impacts the customer a lot more than than it seems at first. Because if you see it from a perspective of from a software perspective, it just say, look, it was five minutes, right? Oh, we had this issue five minutes, or our AI bots, um, whatever you want to call it, didn't give the, the right answer but if you think from our customers perspective they might have just lost the customer because of those 5 minutes or they might have lost um an upsell because of those 5 minutes so i think the biggest lesson learned which seems very obvious is when we take so much responsibility for our customers to trust us to to communicate with their customers and we need to value that that um, that trust we need to cherish that trust we that, that trust and we need to make sure we deliver and we cannot fail no matter what like we are in the business me you we are in the business of we just cannot fail and we need to be working all the time because our customers um, depend on us and i think it seems obvious again like i said it's very obvious but when you live through that and you, you live through some of these experiences you realize how impactful uh, what you do as have in the, in the customer, in your customers lives and people's yeah, lives
0: absolutely a super mission critical um, uh, product and service and it can never be down it can never not function it can never have low voice quality um, and, and, you know, we, we know it too, everything gets escalated directly to, to CEOs, and, and um, um, there's, a, there's even more responsibility than you have sometimes when you run marketing programs, because these are customers and these are relationships you already have. So going back to your notebook, uh, if you kind of think of the next couple of years, and I know a lot of change, things are changing with AI. What's what's uh, uh, what's in a no- notebook which is not confidential about the future of the contact centers?
1: <laughs> well, I don't I don't think I can share. The notebook is a secret. Not, no, I'm joking. <laughs> the notebook is just where I put all my ideas and uh, some make sense some some do not make sense. Of course, it's top of mind. Um, a lot of top of mind for me right now is when you think about the contact center of the future, how does it look like, right? Because um, I, 12 years ago, I do think we, we sat and we realized what the contact center of the future was and we built it. Um and, and we had this interaction these last 10 years of a really good run and still still going, right? Like things don't change one day to the other um like that, but they change over time. And I think the move to the cloud, the move to an end-to-end platform, the move to to to, to AWS, to Google, and all of that, it's all new in the last 10 years. So now we need to think what's on top of that for the next 10 years. So that's that's a lot of what I think of is contact center of the future, how AI plays a role in what we are doing, is AI replacing, helping? Um and I think it's a combination of both. I think there's a lot that AI can do. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a lot of that, like contact center of contact center of the future.
0: You know, and we are uh, maybe I want to get your a different angle on AI and, and um uh, large large luggage models, chat GPT, etc. You know, I love our focus at Replicant is automate using AI to automate customer service calls. Um, and I'm curious about what are some of the aspects of AI and large language models that are not around automating calls that you are interested in or working on or launching or about to launch. Uh, so looking for a different angle on on, on AI and how
1: you're planning to use it. So so I'll, I'll give you a few examples. So we've launched I think since the beginning of the year probably ten plus different features using um, OpenAI. So we use OpenAI um, on, on on Talkdesk now, and and it's it's very interesting because. A lot of the ideas that we are talking about right now, they are actually not new ideas, but what they are is it's a lot easier to implement and a lot easier to make it happen. I'll give an example. So we have this feature in TalkDesk for many years. That's uh, the summary of a call. So an agent talks with the customer and they have a conversation. And then at the end, the agent has to write notes um, and instead of writing notes, there's an automatic system that transcribes the conversation, reads the conversation, and summarizes for you. So we've had that for several years, but it's so hard to maintain those, those models. It's so hard to understand what to write. Many times it was mistaken, or other times it didn't make sense. What OpenAI allow us to do is literally the moment OpenAI came out, we plug that into our uh, summary system, and we re- replaced that feature in literally maybe an hour, two hours, um, and all of a sudden we have an amazing summary where the customers, every single customer at talk desk as, when they have a phone call, they, they just have the summary right there and the summary is pretty much perfect. The summary works every single time and it happens really fast. So again, not a new idea, but something that allows um, allowed to be to be built much faster. And I can go on and on and on. For example, we have another product which is agent assist. We try to empower the customer. And uh, sorry, we we empower the agent with information about the customer. And the way it works is we get all this information, we put it in a model, and then every time the conversation is going, in real time, we tell the agent, hey, this is maybe something you should say. This is something you should do. You should do that. And again, we had to build all those models. We had to build everything in-house. And with OpenAI, we just plug that that into TalkDesk. The system is still there. The system works. It, It helps that we are cloud solution with apis and everything so we just plug the system there uh, and all of a sudden we kind of have the same goal but much better and much easier to, to implement so there's many ideas like this um it, it made everything so much faster and so much better for the customer that's 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 what we've seen so far on ai of course we have a lot of ideas and to really take the contact center to the next level. We have a lot of ideas to really change how things work, but so far that's a lot of what I've seen.
0: Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I can relate to it because our experience is very similar. Um, we, we've been automa- running automation for you know three and a half years now and, and run millions of calls. And it's not that we are doing anything dramatically different today. It just all of a sudden much better and, and we can resolve things in fewer turns, high resolution rate. So in a way, I, I think of it as, this brain just got a, a massive upgrade and went through you know, 12 years of school and now it's just significantly smarter. So we see the same thing. All the ideas now can be realized in a, in a higher quality. Also, awesome. that was really a great conversation. I think our last segment is what we call the speed dial, um, which I'm gonna ask you uh, some questions and, and uh, look for really quick answers. Uh, some questions you know about, some questions I'm gonna make on the fly uh, okay. because it's gonna be more fun um so let's let's start our speed dial uh, what's your morning drink
1: um um it changed recently it used to be coffee now it's a, it's a shake with some uh, authentic greens on it
0: i knew i got an interesting answer <laughs> answer from this okay. one um which company do you think excels in customer service which is a brand new life that you think that does really well with customer service
1: I think a company that I have experienced in a personal way, and I see it from a customer perspective, is Memorial Healthcare. Healthcare is investing heavily in customer, in customer service, and we see that when you have a right leader in, um, in, the, in the company, you can do amazing things for patients. So I see both impacting the patient and really providing great customer service all around.
0: Thank you for the shout out. It's great to not think about Nordstrom or any of the traditional uh companies, but actually as uh, people provide care to customers and, and really care about what they uh what they do. So the agent of the future, uh, if, if they need to focus on one personality trait, uh what should
1: it be? Empathy. I think I mentioned that one. Yeah. I think it's it's empathy. Empathy is the the one that you cannot beat. Relationships, empathy, and making sure um you know you are you you are being um empathetic to the customer
0: now if you're not doing what you do now uh if you're not the CEO of talk desk uh what would you do
1: I don't, I don't know I don't know you actually sent me that customer, customer, that, that question ahead and I I still don't know I I, I my life has been talk desk forever so I I I'll need a lot more than a few days to think about that one but so far <laughs> that's talk desk only
0: I'll go off tangent on speed dial, but we actually had this conversation maybe a hundred times uh, in in our in a year of friendship. And um, I thought that you can be an amazing investor and, and uh, run a PE or run a hedge fund. So this is some job that I have in mind for you. And one time I asked you, hey, if you just have all the time in the world, don't you just want to go on vacation, read books? Like I said, no, I just want to continue running talk this So genuinely not on the podcast, not for any PR purposes. When I asked Tiago what he really want to do, he said, I don't know what to do if I'm not running a so this is what I want to continue doing. So uh, um, for any doctor's customer, you just know that uh, Tiago <laughs> is all in. Um, which book are, What book are you reading now?
1: Uh, so the one I'm reading now, I'm reading a few, but the one that's 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 really being impactful is the Play Nice Between by Michael Dell. It's a story of selling Dell, merging with EMC, beginnings of Dell. I like to, to read. It's it's a biography, pretty much. So I really like to, to read biographies. I've read this book before. I'm reading it again, and I think I think it's pretty, pretty amazing.
0: And from all the uh, so the, you may not know it, Tiago is a super avid reader, and and uh, probably read thousands of books since uh, the time I met him. Uh, which book impacted you the most? If there's one book that that someone in the space, technology, customer service need to read, that made a big impact on you, still remember which one is that?
1: You know, there's 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 a book that I, I always go back when. Um, when I, I, I have, when I don't have a solution for a big problem or when I have big problems and I don't have solutions that I can see and it seems like the the end is near, I always go back to The Art Thing About Art Things from Ben Arowitz. Um, I still haven't found a book that's, uh, that I feel like it's more real, that tells stories as they are. I've had the chance to talk with some of the people in the book and it's uh, in real life. And uh, I still go to that book even today and that book is many years old right now, but I still go to that book and I still think it's the best book for for what we do Mm -hmm.
0: all right ai destroy the world or do amazing things for the world
1: i think it's going to do amazing things yeah i'm on the amazing things camp yeah yeah
0: Yeah. good good welcome to the camp Mm -hmm. uh and my last question for the day uh who is a brilliant speaker in customer service you would like to see on a podcast Mm -hmm. time to give a shout out to somebody you think is interesting and insightful
1: yeah, I I think so. I talk with a lot of people, and I could I could name I could name a lot of names. Uh, we have we have amazing customers, so I have to give a shout out to them. I think I mentioned Memorial Healthcare as an example of a company really moving things. So um, Jeffrey uh, Sturman is the chief digital officer of Memorial Healthcare. He's an amazing speaker. Um, he, he he really sees the future, and he really wants to change things, and he works. Um, with with these vendors not just talk desk he works with these vendors to 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 get to that point so if you can have a conversation with him is is great he's the chief digital officer of memorial healthcare they're doing an amazing job and the company is 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 just doing very well
0: yeah that's amazing recommendation i'm i'm personally very passionate about the healthcare space it's it's such a complex uh space and there's so many opportunities to create small joy for people in Tough situations that are missed all the time. So seeing people genuinely care about that is is always um, heartwarming. I I love Mayo Clinic for this too. Uh, as a as a hospital system, they do a great job um, running an efficient efficient business, knowing that their customers are people that usually are need care and and don't want to deal with bureaucracy. So that's amazing. Thank you for that. So Tiago, we really, thank you very much for this amazing conversation. I really enjoyed it. Uh, thank uh, thank you for joining. Thank, uh, thank you, everybody, for dialing in. Um, and
1: until next time, thank you very much. Thank you, you Gadi.